Hello, and welcome to the Conrad Life Report for Friday, March 4th, 2022. Broadcasting, podcasting from the window here in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. It is a nice, sunny, but frigid day, and I'm hoping this is the last frigid day. But uh, at wake up, it was 22 degrees with a feels like 19, so basically 22 degrees. Um, which is too cold for me, too cold for March. Um, I'm over winter, as I think I previously stated, uh, more so than in, in recent years. Uh, but it's supposed to be a little warmer tomorrow, and then 60s Sunday and Monday. And I think we're going to get into that March sort of um, cycle where you get some cold days, but mixed in with lots of um, slowly getting warmer days. So, But yeah, cold one today. Uh, around the neighborhood, well, still uh, enjoying the relatively low COVID numbers, so not seeing many masks on the street at all. Uh, still seeing masks in stores, and um, there's something changing with the New York City mandates or regulations, and I can never keep track anymore, but I think things are changing next week. Um that masks will not be required in certain places that they were required before and private business owners can still make their own requirements. So, um, but, but with restaurant, Oh, it's yeah, you don't, you don't restaurants and bars and that sort of thing, which currently require vaccination proof will no longer. That's what it is, which, um, kind of makes things makes me feel not as comfortable going to bars and restaurants which I still haven't done much at all but but yeah with the low transmission rate it's a it's a little hard to argue I suppose so um but I have been going to well not a lot I I went to Three's Brewing earlier this week as I played a show and I went to Bar Great Harry 2 days ago to see a friend so there have been some indoor enjoyment uh, of bars for me, but yes, yeah, so that's going to end next week. And then the big school news is that this week they lifted mask requirements for students and I guess staff, um, when you're on school grounds, but outdoors. So that means recess, which previously was masked, um, even outdoors was, has been unmasked this week. And Oliver, who never will tell us anything has, um, admitted that he prefers and enjoys um, maskless recess. And just a few minutes ago, I was texting with Pete, and he mentioned that he saw Oliver, he and Kara saw Oliver in the playground because they happened to be walking by at recess, and they saw him skipping around uh, maskless and smiling, and that just made my heart swell. So that is good good to see, or good to know, good to hear about. And yeah, so next week, I mean... Obviously, there is a chance that lots of um, negative consequences could come out of removing masks in school. We'll see. Uh, For whatever reason, Oliver's class seemed... Well, actually, I don't know. I was going to say I thought his class seemed to definitely do better than other stories of other classes and classrooms and other schools when things... When there was that big wave in January. Um, So... I don't know. We'll see. He does have a smaller class than I think the typical 
New York City public school classroom. Um, anyway, we shall see. And then five-year-olds and under still have to be masked because they cannot have been vaccinated yet. So we'll see how things go next week. But we asked Oliver his preference uh, because, you know, there are some kids that will want to keep masks on either because they're used to it or, yeah, they, they're, you know, they've grown comfortable with it or they are scared of catching it. Just like it's been something they've had to wear for two years and it would that seriousness is so ingrained in you that it's hard to kind of turn that around but we asked him and he said he would prefer no masks in school and he he very seriously answered it wasn't like he was jumping for joy or anything he kind of like he recognized the serious nature of the issue uh so we'll see how it goes i i don't even know what to think anymore because they're are many people I, I mean I think I think some sort of spread will have to increase right just removing that but um is it something is it a number that we quote unquote can kind of like you know accept I don't know uh we'll see but overall I am I guess happy that masks are being removed because I think it will help Oliver and the kids in his class um just because of the program he's in so we'll see um but yeah, speaking of masks and all this stuff, uh, if you're local or even if you're not, you may have heard the hubbub about um, my beloved Threes Brewing here in the neighborhood. Uh, they went through quite the uh, mess the past few weeks. And to give you a very, you can Google Threes Brewing and vaccines and then you can get the whole story from like the New York Post, uh, the New York Times, Eater, all these other places. But the short story is that Josh uh Stileman, one of the two partners there's a third but the third is kind of like a silent now family i think um but he's one of the main partners i think he's the largest technically um and he's a friend i i i i only have known him since through threes brewing as opposed to the other partner who i knew beforehand but uh he's a friend and but he is uh he is very anti-mandate and um he is he he says he's not anti-vax um i think his opinions reveal that he is uh somewhat anti-vax even though he is vaccinated um but anyway over the past year he started to make his views more clear and blunt on twitter and starting in november um started using pretty um, egregious and out of control and I think not appropriate language comparing vaccine mandates to uh, eras of history like Jim Crow, um, pre, pre-World pre War II Germany, Nazism, you know, Maoism. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I was wondering if it would get out because it's like, you know, these are controversial things and i again i think inappropriate language and it took a few months but a few weeks ago uh some people with uh, clout as they say discovered it here in local and word spread around quickly um amongst the south brooklyn and general new york city scene and uh yeah so people were saying they weren't going to support the brewery um and Threes made it clear that it was his private opinion, not the breweries, which is very clear because I think not any employees agreed with him. 
Uh, but they lost a lot of business, and I think crucially a lot of B two B business, like other restaurants and bars. So, a couple of weeks went by, and uh, Josh resigned, and he also announced he was divesting. So he's basically going to leave the brewery, um, which I think probably is the best outcome uh, for all involved. But it's also sad that he's leaving just because you know, he's a friend of mine and he did put a lot of obvious work into it but also I think it's <laughs> sad that he used that language and those made those comparisons so it's just a tough situation I'm where you don't feel satisfied with the ending you just still feel sad but I have hope that the brewery will bounce back um, the people that work there are I think the absolute best and I've heard from other brewery employees from different places that the consensus seems to be that they will bounce back, and this seems to have all been handled as well as could be, so um, timing-wise, too. So we'll see. But Three's Brewing, I went there to bring all that up. I went there this week because our Bender band, which is also kind of the I Get Wild band and everything, we played a Mardi Gras show there on Tuesday, and it was the first show we've played there in two years, the last one being Mardi Gras two years ago, 2020. So in the past few years, we had done the Dr. John album, Grigri, um, but Josh Kaufman and uh, Annie Nero, crucial members of the Grigri band, were unavailable. Uh, so we did our shimmies alter ego, the shimmies, which is when, which we did our first gig, if you recall, in October outdoors at... Um, Alma slash B61 in Columbia Waterfront. And um, so the shimmies, we just did a bunch of Mardi Gras classics, including two songs from Grigri uh, from the Dr. John Alm. We did um, uh, Mama Roo and Walk on Gilded Splinters, the latter of which, of course, David Nagler killed as usual. Uh, we also did another Dr. John song, Make the World a Better Place. Did some Neville's, uh, Yellow Moon and Brother Jake. Uh, of course, we did Big Chief by Professor Longhair and a bunch of things. Uh, so we had the usual crew, Jeremy singing, David Nagler on keyboards, uh, Ray on drums, of course, uh, Stephanie Sanders on keyboards, of course. I was doing some snare and other wood blocks and percussion. We had uh, Bernice Boom Boom. Um, oh, my gosh. can't remember her last name. Uh, Drummond, I think. And she she had asked to sit in <laughs> two years ago. She was just in the crowd. And so Ray invited her back and she was great. We had a sax player named Mark who was awesome. And on bass, uh, since Andy couldn't make it, uh, we had Dave Drywitz from the bands Ween and Joe Russo's Almost Dead. And it was a great, great night. And so oddly enough, the timing of this whole brouhaha with the vaccine stuff in threes, uh, the announcement was made that Josh was leaving and divesting the afternoon of our show. So we had already accepted the gig a month ago before the hubbub began. Uh, we were obviously going to play the gig anyway because we accepted it and we support the staff of threes. We were going to play it anyway, even if things were still weird. Um, but yeah, like literally five hours before showtime, all this news came down the pike. So pretty wild timing. The show was great. I'd say threes was definitely not as crowded as usual. And our crowd was not as crowded as usual, but we had a boisterous group of just friends and it was awesome just to see familiar faces at the brewery again. So fun times there. Um, oh, and by the way, I Get Wild. We'll be, again, doing our Talking Heads set of covers uh, tomorrow as of this 
recording, um, tomorrow being Saturday, March 5th at Littlefield uh, with our friends Balter, Alabama opening. So yeah, if you happen to hear this in the next <laughs> 24 hours and are around, come to Littlefield Saturday, March 5th. Um, uh, oh, and we're playing Woodstock, Colony and Woodstock next Friday, March 11th, if you're um, in the Hudson Valley. So anyway, um, and then I went to another place the next night, which for an hour and a half, I went to Bar Great Harry after work, where my friend Zaina, I met my friend Zaina, she lived in Brooklyn for a long, long time. And then she moved to London like eight years ago or so. And um, she's back in New York, uh, dealing with like stuff because she owns a house here in Park Slope. So it was great to see her. So I saw Zaina. So two nights in a row, I was inside places. Um all right, so let me get back to this list here. Uh, well, the big news of the past fortnight has been we went to Cincinnati during uh, the school break, during the first of these two school breaks that happened in the latter part of the school year. Um, so we went to Cincinnati. We flew from LaGuardia to uh, CVG, Cincinnati Northern Kentucky International Airport. Uh, interesting thing is this was Oliver and Julie's first flight in two years. It was only my second. Which the last time I went was like at the height of COVID when my dad died. Um, and that was a wild flying experience <laughs> that was like everyone in hazmat suits with like three flights, um, all afternoon. But well, this is the first time we flew since we had a car and we decided to try driving up and doing long-term parking. And I don't think I'll do that again in LaGuardia cause it was not worth the hassle. Although Julie says it was nice to get back in our own car, uh, after we returned home, but we had to like take a car, an Uber, to the parking lot because we were too late. We landed past the last free shuttle. So I don't know. But uh, yeah, so we did long-term parking. Um, we flew to LaGuardia. We got to check out again the new D, far D97 and 90 to 97 gates, which are the the farthest east new building at LaGuardia, which is almost at the water. And it's really awesome. And we went straight there because that's what where our gate was as of the morning. But then when I got through security, I'm like, oh, they moved our flight to Terminal C. So we ate pizza and lunch in the old, in the new wing. And then we went and like, since we were so early, we had time. Then we went and we had to take a little shuttle bus uh, over to Terminal C from Terminal D, um, which I love all this stuff. I love airport logistics. But yeah, they, they have now demolished the eastern arm of the old Terminal C uh, so the Western arm is still there. Uh, so slowly they're rebuilding the Delta area. Um, it looks like they're almost done with the Terminal B. It looks great. I've still never been inside. So we had a nice flight. Oliver and I had a nice flight. Got to Cincinnati. We took an Uber there. Or was it a Lyft? I tried to take a Lyft, but Lyft had no drivers in Cincinnati <laughs> nearby. So I had to down. Uh, we got an Uber and um, it was too dark for my mom to pick us up. So we got an Uber. And yeah, we spent the week in Cincinnati and it was just great to be at home. Um, great to see my mom. She's doing well. Um, and obviously she was happy to see Oliver and Oliver loves the house. So he was so excited about the trip. He just likes being there. He still does the same things. He just wants to do his like tablet and stuff, but he likes being there. Um, what did we do? So I was like, you know what? Let's go to a, on Sunday, we were trying to figure out what to do. And I said, let's go to a college basketball game. UC is playing. So I got like $8 StubHub tickets for um, UC, the University of Cincinnati against Temple. Um, I've never been to a, a UC game. And um, our friend Roth met us there. 
Um, so we drove down and went into the game and it was so loud in terms of like the speakers and the pumped up music and our seats were terrible. Um, I thought I was getting just like, let's just sit in the, in the nosebleeds, but the nosebleeds are terrible at the fifth third arena. If you ever go to a UC game, they're like way up and they feel up and you're near the ceiling and all the sound reverberates and their speakers pointed it right at you. So Oliver and Julie literally got to the seats and didn't sit down. They turned around and walked out and they said, we're not staying which is totally understandable. So Roth and I watched the first half. And then with like five minutes ago, we left our bad seats and we just spent the time catching up. So that was nice. But there are various like random areas you can stand that are halfway up. And I would have just preferred standing. And then at that point, you have a great view of the of the game and the players are so good. Just, you know, to see basketball that close, if you've been to a college game or an NBA game, like it's just so impressive in person. Uh, so anyway, that was fun. And then afterwards, we quickly went out and we there was an ad in the game on a billboard, like electronic screen for Esoteric Brewing. And Roth said that that was like this awesome new brewery. We should check it out. It was nearby. So we left the game, got the car. We drove. Uh, it's like It was like four-minute drive, one mile away, and went in, and I bought a six-pack, a randomized mixed pack of esoteric beers and it was great uh, and they're kind of known for a being good and they're new but they're black owned actually they're half black owned and half um asian like filipino owned so it was nice to support them and nice to see a black owned brewery um making great beer and and i think kind of being becoming successful in cincinnati so great beer uh so thank you for that tip roth um and then the rest of the trip, let's see, on the President's Day, we drove down to a random park called Mount Echo Park, which is in Price Hill on the west side of Cincinnati, overlooking the river and downtown, and it was beautiful. Um, and I'd never been to that park before. And then we worked from home a couple of days, and Oliver just like was on screens all day, which is fine, I guess. Um, and then, we, of course, we went over to Brian and Beth's house and got to see uh, them and two of the kids I saw, I guess, van ran upstairs before i get it got a chance to see him but um yeah and then brian and i went and played drums for a bit uh down in the basement which was totally fun uh roth was there again too and we hung out and then after that julie and oliver and i went to joseph beth booksellers which is an independent bookstore in the neighborhood in hyde park and oliver got a book and we hung out and it was fun and then we went over to my sister's house uh who's also in the neighborhood and caught up with all of them so that was great. And then the next day, um, family friend came over. It was a friend of my dad's and I reconnected with him, um, when my dad died. And so it was great to see him and he likes keeping in touch with me. Um, well, a, because of the connection through my dad, but B, because he grew up on president street in park slope till he was eight years old and moved to Cincinnati. So he's like fascinated with Brooklyn. Um, yeah. And then that day, uh, my brother-in-law and my mom uncovered a box in the basement which contained all of my old Rolling Stones from like 1987 to 1993 which I thought my parents had thrown out years ago so this to me was like waking up on Christmas morning so I took half of them because I just I don't know I should have done all of them but I just took half and I thought I'd get the rest later I took it to the UPS store and I had them box them up and I uh, shipped them to myself here and I, I've got them here now 43 pounds of Rolling Stone magazines. Uh, 
And so with the boxing up and everything uh, and buying the box and, you know, paying for that convenience and service, it ended up being about 50 bucks, which is fine with me, um, worth it to me. So and then we flew back and had an hour delay because it was windy in New York. And I think New York airspace was closed for a couple of hours. But um, good trip. Good trip. And that kind of catches up with the whole last two weeks and two days, I guess it, it's been. Um, music, turning to music. Listen to a few albums, uh, and here we go. Resist by Midnight Oil, which is the new Midnight Oil album, the first in many years, and apparently their last, and they're going on a final tour. They have Australia dates booked, and they just announced this week North America. So they're playing here in New York at the Hammerstein, which is kind of interesting. I haven't been there in a very long time. But um, Midnight Oil, this new album, Resist, is great. It's great as always. The melodies are fantastic. It just kicks ass. Um, And oddly, for many bands that have been around forever, sometimes the voice, if it's the same singer, the voice kind of ages and seems a little different. But Peter Garrett sounds the same, and I don't know how he does it. It's like you could say this was a 1989 Midnight Oil album, and one would believe it sonically. Lyrically, it's very up-to-date because it's <laughs> it talks about current politics. Um, so Resist, highly recommended. Even more highly recommended is the new Tears for Fears album, which is uh, their first in 18 years, and it's called The Tipping Point. And uh, I read, actually, I just read this morning the Pitchfork review, which got a very good review from Tom Erlewine. But, yeah, he mentions that if, if it seems like an earlier Tears for Fears album, it seems like they're hurting which is like kind of comes from a very, um, you know, introspective place. There aren't huge anthems on it, uh, which I think is good. Um, But the songs are just so beautiful. Like there's so many incredible melodies. It's just great. Um, The Tipping Point by Tears for Fears. Uh, Listen to the new Super Chunk album, Wild Loneliness. Uh, Upbeat and good and catchy like always with Super Chunk. So that was good. Uh, listen to an album called Garcia Songbook by Joe Craven and the Sometimers, which came out, I guess, a few years ago. Um, I heard of this album because I was listening to my friend David Gans, uh, his annual Grateful Dead Marathon fundraiser on KPFA in Berkeley. And uh, this album by Gar- called Garcia Songbook, it's a Dead Covers album. Joe Craven was the percussionist and fiddler in the 1987 Jerry Garcia Acoustic Band. Um but this album doesn't sound acoustic. It, it's like an electric, modern-day sound. And honestly, it sounds like, um, almost has a township jive, like, South Af- or African, West African-type guitar, like, high-life-type thing. Um, and even the ballads have an upbeat vibe, like Crazy Fingers is upbeat. Uh, so I highly recommend this album called Garcia Songbook by Joe Craven. C-R-A-V-E-N and the Sum Timers. Um, and finally, this morning, I've been listening to Live in Colorado by Bobby Weir and Wolf Bros. Um, Wolf Bros, you know, Bob's like side band with Don Was and Jay Lane. And now it's been expanded to include Jeff Comenti on keyboards and then like a whole horn section and a steel player. It's great. I saw Wolf Bros with um, Scott and I went a few years ago at the Beacon Theater and he was still fine. It was enjoyable, but the band was still finding its way and I think it's kind of like come into its own. Um, it's really good. You know, as per modern day, Bob Weir, it's tempos are slowed. Um, his voice is growly, but 
I think it's excellent uh, and beautiful artwork. I, I should get the physical um, vinyl, I guess, uh, done by the great Daryl Norson. Um, so anyway, and I think that is it for music. Um, books, I will start reading again soon. Stay tuned for that. I'm almost finished with uh, Children of Dune. Last, I have like 50 pages last, left, and last night I got to the point where I now see how the book resolves, and um, it's pretty wild, but it's good. Um, all right. Well, that's it. That is the Conrad Life Report, episode 81, Friday, March 4th, 2022. Um, I hope uh, I hope in the next episode there's better news coming from other parts of the world. We shall see. Um, but yeah, uh, keep your heads up. Uh, try to remain sane and talk to you next time.